am going to leave today with about 10 middle school students and go to a church camp for what will seem like a month. <laughs> I don't know, it'll be fantastic. It does seem like church camp does take forever. Um, you, you get to Wednesday and you think, is it, is it just, is it Wednesday? And they'll say, yes, it's Wednesday. And you'll say, the 30th? And they say, no, it's just, just the Wednesday after the Sunday that you came, and it'll be fantastic. Um, I do value your prayers, I, um, and, and for the kids uh, specifically. Don't pray for me. You can pray for me. I appreciate it. But uh, pray for the kids that, that they experience this week uh, something that um, they don't get to experience in large doses all the time. That is, um, other kids, and specifically adults, who, who are completely devoted to Jesus. Um, pray for the counselors that we be completely devoted to Jesus while we're there and not devoted to our own nap schedule. Because um, that can happen, and it can happen easily. Uh, but we are going to have a blast. Uh, those of you who are riding the van, one fifteen here. one fifteen here. You'll get on the van, you'll put your stuff in the trailer, and we will go. So you really have time to go eat and maybe go and go grab your stuff if you don't have it already and then come back. So 1.15, we will be leaving out on our journey of journeys. Um, yeah, pray for Braden, too. He's going, he's, he'll be in a cabin with me counseling um, this year. He did junior camp last year and almost died. So he's going to do middle camp this year. Um, junior camp is really tough. He's like, why haven't you showered? I didn't bring stuff to shower. Do you live with an adult? So junior camp's tough. Middle camp's a little better. Um, so we're, uh, we are examining what it is that we do here. Uh, every Sunday, um, we get together, we sit in these chairs, we all face the same direction, and we do different things. And we do things that, um, that might seem odd uh, if, if, you, if you just dropped in from outer space and you'd never experienced anything like this. You'd think, why are all, the, why are all those people singing at that guy? We're all facing the same direction, singing a song, and Johnny's standing up here leading us. Um, we are... Um, we, 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 what I'm doing is odd in a way, this little preaching, teaching sort of thing. It's a, it's a different form all into itself. Um, it, it, it just can, it can look strange. And sometimes we can get so caught up in the way we do things, at least if we've been doing sorts of things, or these sorts of things since we were children, uh, it can, we can forget why we do it in the first place. Or maybe there can be some, there can be... Uh, just misinterpretations of, well, why exactly do we pray? Why do we pray in public? Because we've got verses that say, well, why does, um, that you, when you pray, go into a closet? Well, we try to pray before meals. We don't really fit into any of our closets altogether. So how do we do that? Jesus says, basically there he's saying, don't make a spectacle out of it. Out of it. But we pray together as a group. Why? 
Why, is, why shouldn't it just be this thing where we individually pray? Why shouldn't it be just this thing where we individually worship? Or we indivi- why do we have to come together as a group? And this is actually a very common um, question that people have nowadays because they'll say, well, I, I'm a very spiritual person, but I don't need the church. Or I'm a very, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm not religious. And we we want to start a movement that's not institutionalized. Okay, start a movement. Wait a decade. You have an institution. It's just how things work. It's the definition of an institution. But we got a lot of people that nowadays that say, I just don't, well, I don't need the community. And I would argue that, yes, you do. Everyone needs the community. The Bible was not written to any one specific person. It was written to different groups of people. Even when Luke says at the beginning of his gospel, uh, my dearest Theophilus, that could mean lovers of God. We are writing to groups of people. Paul wrote to churches. And he said, y'all do stuff. Paul used y'all just as much as we do. That verse, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, should be better translated, work out y'all's own translation with fear and trembling. It's plural. But why do we, when we get together, why do we pray together? What good does the community prayer do? Listen, prayer is a tough thing for me. Um... Because when I, um, when I see the brokenness in the world, one of my first questions is, well, what's God doing? Now, there's some people who would say, um, oh, how dare you question God? I'm not... I'm not saying that God is not in control. I'm not saying that God doesn't know best. I'm not saying that God's not um, all-powerful and has all wisdom. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying I don't know, and that bothers me. Does that make sense? And so whenever I ask this question, well, what's going on? Why in the world? There are kids... In, in this, kids, my kids' age who don't have good, will, will die from just tiny little things that my kids take medicine for and complain about the taste. That's not the right flavor of medicine, my children will say. And other kids just don't get it. They don't get the medicine. Why does the world work like that? It bothers me and I'm confused. And listen, I ask that question not being able to give you the answer. I don't know. And so sometimes we look around and we say, what is God doing? And now some people will say, well, why didn't God prevent the world? Why didn't God, when when Adolf Hitler was a baby, like let him fall in a well or something? Or a whale, whatever. (laughs) Would have done the trick either way. But then you kind of put God in a bad spot because Adolf, little 12-year-old Adolf Hitler falls into a well. With his, and 
everyone's like, well, why did God ruin this little 12-year-old boy's life? He was going to be, he was such a promising artist. That's historical. So we, we, we put God and we, we question God and we say, God, what are you doing? And why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? And why is this happening? And I think those are very legitimate questions. Very legitimate questions. And I think those questions will eventually point to why exactly it is that we pray as a group. But first, a quick story. Peter, John, were out um, preaching and, and actually just wandering around one day, and they were, they were about to preach, and they happened upon a man who was begging. This man was begging because he couldn't walk. Every day his friends would carry him to a spot and they would put him in this spot and then this, at this spot he would beg and he would make the money that he could make because he can't make money typically like everyone else does. He couldn't work in a field. He couldn't, um, do just, he couldn't do stone masonry. He just couldn't do anything because his legs didn't work. And Peter and John were walking by and this guy says, Hey, uh, can you give me anything? And Peter gets down and looks at him, and the guy thinks he's going to give him money, and Peter says, like a good preacher, I don't have any money. But, I'm just kidding. That's, that's a preacher joke from the 1950s. Preachers are, are taken care of well now. Um, but they, he says, I, I don't have any money, but what I can give you is this. It's something no one else can give you. And he gives him strength in his legs. It says his legs were filled with strength and he got up and he rejoiced and he ran and he walked and he, and he, and he danced. The rest of his life, he had muscle strength in his legs and he could do the things now that he could never do before. And Peter says it's because of Jesus that this happened. And so that really got the Sanhedrin uh, 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 it got him flusterpated. That's a word. Got him. They, they re really bothered him. So they brought him in. Because Sanhedrin's made up with um, mostly Sadducees. Sad, the difference between Sadducees and Pharisees is that Pharisees were very religious and very um, and kept the strict law and believed that in the, because they kept the strict law, in the last day there would be a resurrection. The Sadducees believe, didn't believe that in the last days there would be a resurrection. And I just can't keep this joke inside me, so they were sad, you see. <laughs> I, try, I fought it like a dragon, you know, like I tried to slay that sucker, but it just wouldn't, it wouldn't stay in there. So the, the, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, the Pharisees did, but the, the Sanhedrin is made up of mostly Sadducees. And what, the, what Peter and John were walking around saying was that this Jesus, whom you crucified, is now resurrected. He didn't stay in the tomb. His physical body got out of the tomb and walked around, and then he ascended to the throne in heaven. That's the story they were sticking to. And the Sadducees didn't like that very much. And they, they brought him in and said, Under what authority did you do this? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you killed and resurrected. And they said, Oh, you can't go around saying this. They said, But it's true. 
And they marveled at Peter and John. They said, they, these guys are just fishermen. And they took note that they had been with Jesus, but they couldn't let them go around saying this. So they, said, they basically said, well, we can't do any, we can't punish them. They healed a guy. So what we're going to do is give them a stern warning, because that always works with a revolution. And so they came back in and they said, said, they sternly said, you cannot say this again. Now, the guys, the same guys, who just over two months earlier had said, who had come to Jesus and said, we're going to try to kill you, and so they killed him. They delivered him over to the Romans and they, um, they persecuted him, they tortured him, they put him on a cross, he died. The same guys that did that to Jesus are now looking at Peter and John and saying, don't you say anything. Now our mindset might, may be at this point, well, you can't stop me. What good is a stern warning going to do? Well, the guys who had the authority to do that to Jesus still have the authority to do it to you. They have the authority to arrest you and to flog you. They have the authority to um, leave, just leave you in prison for no good reason. They have the authority to hand you over to Pilate, hand you over to Rome, and they can say, hey, these guys are trying to start this whole revolution again, and they're claiming that you didn't do a good enough job killing Jesus. He didn't stay dead. That's what they're claiming. And so I, if I were Peter and I were John, would at this point be a little bit more nervous than I typically am. Someone threatens me now and says, you shouldn't talk about that. What are they going to do to me? Rachel and I often say, what are they going to do, punch us in the face? You can always ask. We, we were out in the heat the other day and we, we needed a place to keep Nolan out of the heat um, down in Texas. and they, So we went into this opera house um, or a, an Opry, I suppose. And we, we said, do you think we could go in there? I said, well, we can ask. They can say yes or they can say no, but they're not going to punch us in the face. Typically, our options are just they're going to say yes or they're going to say no, but really I'm not really that afraid of what anyone else can do. And if they do punch me in the face, they're not, probably not going to do it again because I'm going to drop. I will give you the other cheek after I stand up. But there is this, there's this threat lingering and looming over them, and it's not just an empty threat. It's a threat that had been fulfilled to the guy they were following just two months ago. They watched him die on the cross. They saw him bleeding and bruised. They know what these guys are capable of, and here they are saying, let's not talk about this, Okay. What do you do? They went to their church. They went back to a house, to a group of people, where the church family was meeting. In Acts 4, it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Here's what's interesting to me is when they saw the brokenness and the threats 
that were coming, coming down on them, they decided to pray, but they decided to pray with their church. When we are faced with calamity, when we are faced with brokenness, when we are faced with pain and suffering, I think, and at least and Peter and John believe, that it is best to go back and pray with your church. Here's what they prayed. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer, saying, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod, this is still a prayer. Indeed, Herod, Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Here's what's happened so far in this prayer. They have said, God, you are in control. And just like you had said in the past that people would do, you said, you said this would happen, that people would rise up and plot and do evil against your anointed one and by proxy against themselves. You called it, God. You're powerful. You called it. And indeed it happened. Herod and Pontius Pilate together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city, to con they, they conspired against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable... God, I want you to... In essence, they're saying, look now, now they're threatening us. Look at their threats, God. And... Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. The church prays not so that God will move, but so that God will move his people. The church gets together and we pray not so that God will change things, but so that God will change us. We have become a people in which we want our situation to be better. We want our situation to be easier. We own microwaves that take forever in our mind. You mean I gotta sit here and wait on this baked potato for six minutes? People, it used to take them years to make a baked potato. <laughs> they had to plan that stuff out in advance. But here they are. We, just, we want things to be perfect. We hand clothes to poor people and to people in other countries who, who can't clothe themselves, we go into clothes stores and grab eight things and go in. They, have you seen the numbers that they have that they put on the door handle? They have up to like a thousand on. They have a thousand. You took a thousand clothes in. You're going to try. 
You're going to try them all on. You get to try them before you have them because you want them to fit perfect. We have all different sorts of cuts for all different sorts of people. They have the clothes for your shape and size and we can figure it out and we're going to go try them on. We want things to be just like we want them to be. Send it back if it's not red enough or if it's too red. That steak has to be perfect. We have lived and have been raised in a world that revolves around us. And no wonder when we go to God in prayer, often our prayer is, God, this is my situation. Can you make the situation stop? I am facing a hardship. Can you make the hardship stop? I am facing a difficulty. Can the difficulty please just go away? But when the disciples were threatened with their life, which I'm assuming for most of us is a situation we've never been in, when they're threatened with their life, they aren't saying, God, please change their hearts. They say, God, please change ours. When they are considering the threats, they don't say, God, please make it go away. They say, make us bold. Make us not care what their threats are. Give us boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Ask God to change you and see if he doesn't work a miracle on your front doorstep. Ask God to work on your heart and He will work away. What we want oftentimes in prayer is to God to heal and to God to, to make it okay and God to make everything just better. But things aren't better. And so we gauge God on the scale and we say, God, well, we, things aren't fantastic, so what's God, where's God? And I think God would look at us and look at the world and He'd say, there are starving children. And when we say there are starving children, we say, where's God? And we, God sees starving children and He'd say, where are you? You want God to fix it? He's going to fix it through you. You want God to make it better? He's going to make it better through you. The world can only change and improve and be the kingdom of God that God intended through His kingdom, through His people, through the community. And so when we pray together, what we're hoping for is to God to shake this room up a little bit. It's for God to make things not as easy. We're okay with not easy, or at least we should be. Because we got a God who even when they killed him, he got up from the grave. Let's start turning our prayers inward. Let's start going into the throne room of God and letting him examine us instead of us examine him. Let's let him give us his to-do list and stop giving him ours.
We are called to be the people of God. And if we're going to be that as a community, as a group, it's going to take him shaking the room up a bit. It's going to take him giving us some boldness. It's going to take him changing us. But we would rather oftentimes just sit and say, well, God, could you change it? And he says, I'm going to have to change you first. And we say, well, no, not at all. most ridiculous nonsense that's going around right now is this nonsense of, well, I am who I am and people aren't going to judge me one way or the other. Well, if, you're, if you are who you are and you're not changing, God has no use for you. If you're stuck, He won't use you. What God wants is people who are not content with who they are, but whenever they run into problems, see fit to go to God and say, God, I need something to face this trial and I'm not it yet. I need to be, um, I, I need to be given the gift of boldness. I need to be given the gift of forgiveness. I need, I need your help to forgive. I need your help to, to, um, to show mercy and to show kindness and to show love. I need you to fill me, God. The worst lie Satan can tell you is that you are just fine right where you are. And that somehow God is the one who needs to affect the world. He will and can, but he has chosen to do it through his people. And so we pray as a group. Because as a group, we seek to change this community in the name of Jesus. As a group, we seek to change this county, this state, this world. As a group, we are seeking to save the lost. We are seeking to heal the broken. And that's just not going to happen if we're very comfortable sitting in our pews directing God, telling Him what to do. See what happens if you go before the throne room of God, into the throne room of God, before His throne, bow down every morning and say, God, give me the courage to do what you need me to do. Give me the wisdom to see what it is. Give me the strength to overcome. Give me the peace that passes all understanding. Give me the joy that is my strength. See what happens if you start praying for change in your heart. I believe the best advice you can give new parents, you can give new uh, marriages, you can give old parents and old marriages. The best advice you can give to employees and employers and the best advice you can give to families who are having um, large-scale family problems, the best advice you can give is to pray. Not because. I don't believe this because God will then just fix everything and it'll be magic. 
the more time we spend in front of God, the more time we spend talking to God, the more He will change us. And in every relationship, at least part of the problem is us. And so if you want to heal marriage, if you want to heal your, your children, although those are connected, if you want to heal your children, heal your marriage. If you want to heal the brokenness in this world, pray. It's not magic. It's not going to be a thing that, that you pray and all of a sudden it's fixed. Sometimes that's our frustration with prayer is that we'll say, well, I prayed and nothing happened. Your prayer needs not to be something where you're saying, please fix them. I am not one to say that I hear the voice of God. You know that, right? Um, I, I don't think I ever have. And I get real nervous when the voice of God sounds a whole lot like my voice. Um, but there are times that I do believe, I do believe in the Holy Spirit, and I do believe He's alive and active and working, and I do believe that um, there are times I think things that are smarter than the things I typically think. By a long shot. And I often like to give credit to the Holy Spirit for those things. Um, when I'm on my good days, on my bad days, I just take credit for them. But on my good days, I like to give credit to the Holy Spirit and to God for those things. And I remember uh, after um, I worked for a church that told me that I couldn't work for them anymore. And, and when, you, when you have to stop working for a church, you have to, you have to also stop, stop living in that town. And so I was, um, I was commuting to um, the place where I was ministering because we were trying to sell our house that we had just bought two months before we were told to move. Uh, but I was commuting, and my commute uh, took me past the old church. There was no other way around it. I had to go past it. For the first part, I, wouldn't, I just wouldn't look at it, which is very dangerous. I guess I could have just looked away, but I closed my eyes. And... I would, but then I got thought, well, you just need to pray. And so I, I, boy, I would aim some prayers at that place. Just like with a, I had a quiver full of them. Fire off a couple of prayers and hope one stuck and hope, hope one of those people would change. Very soon after I started praying this and would pass and I got this nagging, uh, it, it, you know, it feels like Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder telling you something, but I would, I would, I'd be pulled back, ready to fire a prayer in their direction. God, soften their hearts, or whatever it is. And I would get this, I would I just get this sense of, Benjamin, just work on you. I would relax the string, and then take aim again. Benjamin, just work on you. Our prayer life is not, one, it's not just about healing the sick, although that does happen from time to time. Our prayer life isn't about just fixing the brokenness, although that does happen miraculously and, mirac yeah, miraculously, I just said that twice, 
miraculously. Sometimes that does happen. But if we just stop it there and our time before the throne of God doesn't affect us, it doesn't shake us, it doesn't shake this whole room. So maybe we need boldness. Maybe we need strength. Maybe we need to be brave. But we do need something. And I think it is only before the throne of God that we can find it. You are not perfect. But God has it in his heart to make you look more and more like Jesus every day. So go before his throne and let him. The reason we do public prayer is because this church, this community, this group isn't perfect. We don't have it all figured out. We don't have it all together. We don't do everything right. But the reason we do public prayer is because we need God to shake this place as much as he needs to shake my heart. And we want to be convicted by his to-do list, not consistently give him ours. That's public prayer, that's private, that's what prayer is for. The prayer of Jesus in the garden. He says, God, I do not want to do this. If there is any other way, please let this cup pass from me. But if this is what you want, and so be it. Not my will, but your will be done. And then he got up and he walked toward the people who were about to kill him. Jesus of Nazareth, our King, the resurrected Savior, needed prayer and strength to change His will to look more like God's will. So do you. And so does this church. You may say, Benjamin, I've never really prayed. I'm not good at it. That's fine. That's fine. Um, this may surprise you, but I wasn't really all that good at talking to girls when I was in high school. I know it's shocking. But, there's not a manual. There's not. Because I have a certain personality and, uh, you know, they have different personalities and so confusing. What do I do? Well, you just start. And you may look and feel dumb at first, but at least you're doing it. At least you're praying. At least you're talking to the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who rescued his people from Egypt, the God who sent his son to, to redeem his people. At least you're talking to him. And at least he's doing his thing in your heart. Just start. I really hate being all Dr. Phil about it, but just do it. Try it out.
Do you have two minutes to spare? Let one fly. Release a prayer and see what happens. But just ask him to affect you. Because in the end, that's the only thing you can control. Is you. If you need to be shaken this morning, if you need boldness, if you need joy, if you need love, if you need forgiveness, if you need to connect with Jesus, if you, what, if you need something this morning, we want to pray with you. As a group, as a community, we can shake your life up. But do you need it? If you do, please come forward while we stand and sing.